I want you to turn in your, in your Bible to actually Isaiah chapter 9. Isaiah chapter 9, now it's doing some things. All right, Isaiah chapter 9. And you're going to keep your finger there, and, we're going to, and then you're going to go to Luke um, chapter 2. And we're going to read all these verses. I want you to follow along. But we're going to be jumping back from Matthew, Luke, and Isaiah. We're starting a series, and we're going to go over the names that are found in Isaiah chapter 9 for Jesus. And before he was, of course, born. But I want you to turn to Luke chapter 2. And we're going to start with verses 1 through 14. And just follow along with me as I read this. Let's do this. I'll read one verse, then we'll all read it the second verse together. And we'll go all the way to verse number 14. So let's start on uh, um, Luke chapter 2 and verse 1. I'll start it, and then we'll all read the, the, the even numbers. It says, And it came to pass in those days that there went out a decree from Caesar Augustus that all the world should be taxed. And this taxing was first made when Cyrenius was governor of Syria. And all went to be taxed, everyone into his own city. And Joseph also went up from Galilee, out of the city of Nazareth, into Judea, into the city of David, which is called Bethlehem, because he was of the house and lineage of David. To be taxed with Mary, his espoused wife, being great with child. And so it was that while they were there, the days were accomplished that she should be delivered. She brought forth her firstborn son and wrapped him in swaddling clothes and laid him in a manger because there was no room for them in the inn. And there were in the same country shepherds abiding in their field, keeping watch over their flocks by night. And lo, the angel of the Lord came upon them and the glory of the Lord shone round about them and they were sore afraid. And the angel said unto them, Fear not, for behold, I bring you good tidings of great joy, which shall be to all people. For unto you is born this day in the city of David a Savior, which is Christ the Lord. And this shall be a sign unto you, that ye shall find the babe wrapped in swaddling clothes, lying in a manger. Suddenly there was with the angel a multitude of heavenly hosts praising God and saying, Glory to God in the highest, and on earth peace, goodwill toward men. Study that, it's interesting how the angels showed the shepherds where to go. They gave him a sign saying you're going to find the babe wrapped in swaddling clothes and lying in a manger. That was something that they'd never heard before. And I also like what the angel said to him. The first two words out of their mouth was fear not. Those shepherds were probably scared to death when they saw what they saw. I think it's interesting that they didn't bring all the angels at once. But then when they got comfortable with that one, all of a sudden the rest of them came. And you know, we have something to have glory on and it's not us. It's the baby that was born in the manger. And so as we study this this, this year, we're going to go through Isaiah and I want you to turn to Isaiah chapter 9. And again, keep your finger in um, Luke and Matthew chapter 1, and, and we'll get back with that in just a second. But I want you to go to uh, um, Isaiah chapter 9. And there's two verses I want you to read in this, in Isaiah chapter 9. And I want you to follow along with me in this, in this verse. Isaiah chapter 9, verse 6. And you all know verse number 6. It says, For unto, you, for unto us a child is born, unto us a son is given. And the government shall be upon his shoulder, and his name shall be called Wonderful, Counselor, the Mighty God, the Everlasting Father, the Prince of Peace. Now go to verse number 7. It says, Of the increase of his government and peace there shall be, a, be no end, upon the throne of David and upon his kingdom, to order and to establish it with judgment, with justice from henceforth, even forever the zeal of the Lord of hosts will perform this. You look at the first verse, going back to verse number 6. It's, For unto us a child is born. Then it says this, for unto, and a son is given. This is talking about God saying His Son is going to be given to us. 
Christmas is not about a tree. It's not about a sleigh. It's about our Savior. And He came down from, came down from heaven to be born in a manger. I love that statement that Jesus is the reason for the season. It's what it's all about. For without Christ, you can't spell Christmas. As we look at and we, we study these words that are found in there, there's five words. We'll look at those in just a second. We're going to look at the first one in depth today. But I want you to notice something that's found in verse number seven. Go to verse number seven, which is overlooked. I don't know if you have stars or anything that tells you in your Bible, my, my Bible has little stars that tell me that it's a prophetic verse. And verse number six is in there, and verse number seven is in there, and verse number seven says this. Let's go to it. It says, for of the increase of his government, peace, there shall be no end. Isn't it great to know that God will give you peace with no end? What does that mean? No matter what you're going through, God will help you through it. Do I have an amen on that? absolutely it's good to know that you have peace no matter what you go through. And keep reading, it says, upon the throne of David and upon his kingdom. Here it's referring, reverting back to understanding this is going to be in David's lineage. It's going to be his kingdom. You know, I like about the Lord, he always does things the right way. Look at the next two words, to order it. God doesn't just happenstance. You ever do that in your life? We use this statement, flying by the seat of your pants. You ever done that? There's some people that don't like, how many of you don't mind flying by the seat of your pants? I know some people in here that don't mind do that, doing that. Raise your hand. If you, don't be shy. I'm raising my hand up. Um, Karen's got both of her hands up. We've got some people in here. But there are some, Trish, you, you're that way. And I, okay, I'm just going to tell you that. My wife is not that way, okay? I sometimes am that way. But you know what it says in the Bible? It says that He's going to order it. He's going to know exactly how it's going. Because everything that Jesus did in the New Testament had fulfilled everything that was in the Old Testament. There's an order to it. Even in this, the lineage of David, it just talks about the lineage of David. How did they get that? Through Joseph. God knows exactly what He's doing. It says to order it. And then look at these next, this next statement. And I want you to see these two words because we, we sometimes go, wow. And to establish it. He doesn't wake up one morning and say, what just happened? God knows what just happened. And how does He make it in order and how does He establish it? There's two words. The first one is this, by judgment. We don't like that sometimes. How do you like to be judged? How do you like to be judged by a higher calling by God Himself? But look what the verse says. It says, to order it and to establish it with judgment... And what's the next word? I'm glad he, he uses judgment on us, but I like the second word too, with justice. We've all been accused of something that we did not do, possibly. But there's something about knowing that there's judgment and there's justice with it that makes you feel better. The other day I was driving down on uh, Moreland and I, I came up that light. I, I was not thinking. There's, there's about 10 different signs that says no turn on red. I mean, and, and I don't know if you ever stood by those signs. They're pretty big signs. There was two right in front of me, one on both sides of me, and I wasn't paying attention. I was listening to something on the radio, and it was an advertisement. And all of a sudden, I looked this way, looked that, I, I looked this way, and no one was coming. I pulled out. I got about 100 feet past this. I thought, oh, no, I hope they didn't take my picture. I've had my picture taken twice since I've been here. I don't like my picture taken. But you know what? God's a fair God, isn't he? I don't think that picture took, off, took but if it did... Guess what? There's $50 down the drain. 
Sometimes we do things, I didn't do it on purpose, I wasn't trying to do it, it just happened. And so I thought, I'm going to get to my place earlier than what I thought because of that. But you know, God puts things in our way, and as we go through our way, He gives us judgment and He gives us justice. And God's an honest judge and uses honest justice. Do you not think God shows forgiveness to us all the time? He absolutely does. For if we were God, how would we respond? So we have these two words in verse number 7. He uses judgment and he uses justice. That's how he sets his kingdom up. That's how he orders it. That's how he establishes it. And I like knowing that. I like knowing that God knows what he's doing. Sometimes we might not know what we're doing, but God sure knows what he's doing. And so now let's get into these words. Merry Christmas. Don't you love the word, be able to say Merry Christmas? There's a time when we couldn't say that. People were, were, were scared to say it. They say Happy Holidays. No, it's Merry Christmas. There's a verse in, in, in the verse above it in Isaiah chapter 9. This is how it goes. It says, For unto us a child is born, unto us a son is given. The government shall be upon his shoulder, and his name shall be called. And we're going to go through that list. I, I like that little statement. It says, And the government shall be upon his shoulder. God is in control of everything. I don't know if you watch the news, sometimes you feel like, what is going on? I was just, uh, my daughter, out in California, in the Mojave Desert, on Thanksgiving morning, she looked out her window, and it was snowing. She said, we're going to Palm Springs today to meet, um, meet up with her, her um, husband's family. They looked out there, and it kept snowing. I think they got two to three inches of snow, which is very rare for that area. Well, I was t texting her dad, and we were exchanging pictures of, of Thanksgiving, and he sent me some pictures, and I said, I heard about your weather, and you know what I loved his response? He said, the weather everywhere is crazy. I feel like the Lord's going to come back any time. You want to talk about that's a good spirit, amen? Because you can read in the, in the Scriptures what talks about earthquakes and divers places and all this, the weather going different directions. And you wouldn't think you'd wake up in the desert and have snow. I, told, I, I, I text Josh, I said, Josh, make sure you drive slowly. Because I can tell you right now, they don't have the equipment to take snow off the road. They ended up making it, they had a good time, but I, everything changes sometimes. And I, as we look at this, we can see that God is in control of the government. Now let's look at these five words that you'll find on, in, in this verse. It says, For unto us a child is born, unto us a son is given, and the government shall be upon his shoulder, and his name shall be called. The first one is wonderful. Now we use that word a little different than what he's talking about with this. Wonderful. Have you, do you ever use the word wonderful? I use the word wonderful, and I'll tell you what I use it for later, but the next one is this, counselor. We'll look at this next week, but it's great to know that Jesus is our counselor. Me and Mark agree. But He is our counselor. He tells us what to do, what not to do. The next one is the mighty God. This is talking about Jesus. It's not talking about... Uh, um, the Father, it's talking about the Son. He is the mighty God. And so we have the wonderful, the counselor, the mighty God, the everlasting Father. And I like the last one. The Prince of Peace. Which tells you that no matter what you go through, God is still going to help you through it. 
As you, as you look at these words, what do they mean to you? What does the word wonderful mean to you? <laughs> well, it's interesting what the word wonderful means in the Bible. When you look at wonderful, there's a couple terminologies with this. This is getting right out of the, out of the Hebrew language. There's a couple things you can look at wonderful as we go to it. Wonder, marvel. You know what I use wonderful for? I usually use it for food. Oh, it was a wonderful meal. You ever done that? Or I had a wonderful time. I had a wonder, it was a wonderful event. This is much bigger than that. I don't think I'd ever say that was a marvelous time. That was a marvelous event. I use wonderful all the time, but we use it in a different term that Jesus is using it. You'll see it in just a second. And so the, the next thing says wonder is extraordinary, hard to understand the thing. Have you ever had something in your life where you have a hard time understanding what the thing's going on in your life is? Well, that's Jesus. Jesus knows what he's doing. Could you create something out of nothing? I can't, but Jesus can. It's hard to understand. He's wonderful. The next one is this. Wonder of God's act of judgment and redemption. He judges us, but he also redeems us. You've got to understand where this word comes from. It's a Hebrew word. If you, how many of you speak Hebrew in here? Anybody speak Hebrew? So if I mess it up, you won't know. It's a very simple word. Pele is what it means. This is what you find very interesting about this word. Because when I use wonderful, it's an event or it's a food. Amen? That's not what God's talking about. Because the, the Hebrew word means a miracle. A marvelous thing, wondrous. Now, when you look at what Jesus is in Matthew and Luke, you understand what he's talking about when he says it is a one, he is the wonderful in our life. So let's break this down and see what it says in some other verses. But in this, this is how the word is broken down. And I love that last one, a miracle. Well, what are some miracles that you find in this story? Now, I want you to go, now we've got to find your, get, in your, get in your scriptures, go back to Luke. Go to Luke and go to Matthew. And I want your finger in both of them because we're going to jump back to Matthew chapter 1 and Luke chapter 1. Because we're going to look at some miracles. And the last miracle is the, the biggest miracle. Now, if I were to ask you to tell me what are some miracles that happened when Jesus was born? First of all, I think one of the biggest miracles that's not listening here is how everything from the Old Testament lines up with the New Testament. Because we're picking this name wonderful and he's talking about he is a miracle because he was a miracle. The first one is found in Matthew chapter 1 and verse 16. Go to Matthew chapter 1 and verse 16. You say, well, you've got the wrong, ver wrong verse. No, I don't. Look at Matthew chapter 1 and verse 16. It says, And Jacob begat Joseph, the husband of Mary, of whom was, Je was born Jesus, who is called Christ. You know what I find a miracle in? Is the line of David. Now, you, you've got to trace this all the way back. That's a long time before that it was said that he was going to be in the lineage of David. But it was. It was a miracle that God did that. You can go through. That's why Matthew chapter 1 is in your Bible. To show you the lineage of Christ. There's, there's 14, 14, 14. As it goes through it, it's amazing how God did that. Some of these people you know. Let me show you how, how interesting God is. There's a verse in here that's interesting. Go to where David's mentioned. In verse number 6, it says, and, Solomon, and, and Jesse begat David, the king, and King David begat Solomon, 
of her that had been the wife of Urias. He even points out Urias in there because David killed him. Shows God's forgiveness, does it? Does it not? So we have this. Then we have, we have, we have the next miracle is this. Bethlehem. I equate this to my hometown. I grew up in a small town called Farmersburg. Anybody ever heard of Farmersburg, Indiana? Just in case you've heard, it's right by Hymera and, and Shelburne. You ever heard of those? Fairbanks? We were, when I, went, when I went to school, my dad graduated from the same school. You know what our mascot was? I've shared this with you before, but it was Farmersburg Plowboys. Pretty intimidating when you're going against the Fairbanks, um, they were the Fairbanks Lions. They'd come out and they'd have this lion on them. We'd had this disc on the, front of our, on the front of our shirt. I can still remember the little disc on there. And Farmersburg was so big that it started from here and went all the way around. Farmersburg, Plowboys. We're red and white. Nothing good ever came from Farmersburg. I, was, I grew up in, I, I was born in Abilene, so I can say that. Anyway, nothing good, good ever came from Farmersburg. I said, like, you drive through it, there's a Dairy Queen. That's about it. We have one, now they have one traffic light that slows people down so they can at least see the Dairy Queen when they drive through Farmersburg. Bethlehem is not a big city. No one knew anything about it. But let's look up some verses in this. Matthew chapter 2, go to Matthew chapter 2. And verse 1, it says, And when Jesus was born in Bethlehem of Judea in the days of Herod the king, behold, there came wise men from the east to Jerusalem. Drop down to verse number 5 and 6, and it says, And they said unto him in Bethlehem of Judea, for thus is written by the prophet, And thou, Bethlehem, in the land of Judea, now watch what it says about it, art not the least among the princes of Judah. For out of thee shall come a governor, that shall rule my people Israel. Now you jump over also in Luke chapter 2, verses 1 through 4. It also mentions this. This has got to do with the house of David. And it came to pass in those days that there went out a decree from Caesar Augustus that all the world should be taxed. This taxing was first made when Cyrenius was governor of Syria. And all went to be taxed, everyone into his, what's the next one? Own city. And Joseph also went up from Galilee out of the city of Nazareth and Judea into the city of David, which is called Bethlehem. God knew it, and he spoke about it way before um, it was, it was going to happen, many thousands of years before. So we have Bethlehem. Then we have the angel. Well, the angel spoke to these three people on different accounts. We've already read the one about the shepherds, but he spoke to Joseph, said not to dismiss your wife, keep her. She has a child from the Holy Spirit, and then she, he tells Mary, so Mary would know. And then the third one, he talks to the shepherds. You say, well, that's not much of a miracle. When's the last time you saw an angel? Please don't raise your hand and tell me when it was. Maybe somebody in here has seen an angel. I haven't. But I do know that these, these on three different separate occasions, God is setting it up because it's a big miracle. I love how he starts, fear not, fear not, fear not, because he knew they were going to be scared of these angels. People say, well, I would love to see an angel. I don't know if I would. Call me a chicken or whatever, but if I saw an angel, I don't know what I would do. And I, and I definitely would be like the, the shepherds going, what's going on in my life? You know what I'd be thinking? I'd be thinking about the pizza that I ate the night before. 
But here you have the shepherds going in, so you have the line of David, that's a miracle, of Bethlehem's a miracle. What about this, the star? When's the last time you created something from nothing? Because God created something out of nothing in this situation and brought a star where the wise men could follow him. This was a miracle. These guys, as we discussed in Sunday school, these guys traveled all the way across to see what this star represented. It was a miracle. We get so scared to say it was a miracle. Miracles happen. I mean, you hear, you hear people say, well, um, this, they got healed from that. They don't have it anymore. There was somebody just recently said that they, they got a doctor's report and said, everything's okay now. You ever been there? God knows what He's doing. He works miracles all the time. Had the star. Then He had a dream. He tells the wise men to leave because they show up in a dream and this is something that God sent. It was a miracle. Answer this question. If you were going someplace, does your GPS tell you the shortest route? It does, doesn't it? You ever had it rerouted as a shorter route if you do this? Those wise men, when they traveled, they traveled the shortest route to get where they were. They were looking at the star and they traveled the shortest route. Then God tells them in a dream to go home a different way. You know what God's done? He's made them go a little bit longer out of the way because he did not want them to get back to Herod so Joseph, Mary, and Jesus could get out of town. Could God have protected Joseph, Mary, and Jesus? Yes, he could have. But he chose the wise men to leave a different route where it would give them a little bit more time to get to Egypt. So we have the miracle of the dream. Miracle of the encouragement. Don't you think God sends people along the way to encourage you? You ever had a bad day and someone dropped you a note or someone texts you? You know, I don't like, I don't like those texts where you've got to try to figure out what kind of emotion the person's in. You ever been there? When they accidentally capitalize a word and you go, what do they mean by that? What does that mean? They're all capital letters. What does this mean? Have a good day in capital letters. You think they really mean that? You ever been there? How many of you ever tried to analyze a, a, a text? Am I the only guy that's raising their hand? Because I do it. You know, if you text me, I'm going, is this, does this mean they're sarcastic towards me? Or what is, what's going on with this? I want you to look at, a look at the story. Go to Luke chapter 2. This shows you the encouragement that God sends. Luke chapter 2, verses 18 through 20 says this. It says, and all that heard it, this is talking about the, the shepherds, wondered at those things which were told them by the shepherds. But Mary kept all these things and pondered them in her heart. And the shepherds returned, glorifying and praising God for all the things that they had seen, had heard and seen as it was told unto them. You know, I think right now that the shepherds came to encourage Mary. It was a miracle, because here she has, she has a child. She places him in a manger, wraps him in swaddling clothes. They don't, they're not even in the inn. They're outside in the barn. And all of a sudden, these, these shepherds show up and say, Hey, Mary, I want you to know something. We were told to come here and see your child. He'd be wrapped in swaddling clothes and lying in a manger. And the angels told us that. It's a miracle in and of itself. And I think the biggest miracle, what's the biggest miracle in the, in the story of Christ? You watch it because people are trying to attack this all they possibly can. It's this one. The birth was a virgin birth. 
just read something on, on the news about how they're trying to talk that down. And I'd be very careful if I was using the word illegitimate when I'm talking about Christ. There's nothing illegitimate about Him. And I think it's interesting how all the, the different Gospels, Matthew and Luke, both attach and they, they simultaneously tell the story. They say how Joseph found out, how Mary found out, how Joseph was thinking, what Mary was thinking, what Mary was thinking about her cousin. And as, a, as the whole thing plays out, the virgin birth, she had a child without ever being with a man. And I love what the end of the verse says, where it says that Joseph was not with her until the child was born, because someone would have went after that also. But we have some miracles coming on, because you know why? God is wonderful. Jesus is wonderful. So when Isaiah talks about it, he says that word. Wonderful. Counselor. The mighty God, the everlasting Father, the Prince of Peace. And I can tell you right now, I need all five of those in my life. Just like you do. We're going to walk out of here in a little bit and we're going to say, okay, what's Christmas all about? It's about Jesus is what it's about. It was about Jesus and the miracle of His birth and the miracle of everything taking place to, down to the angels, to Bethlehem, the line of Judah, the star, the dream, the encouragement. It's all about wonderful. So I'm going to be very careful when I see, use the word wonderful anymore because as I look at it, I can tell you this. He is wonderful to me. He's done miracle after miracle, making me what I need to be, telling me what I need to change. And for that I'm thankful. So, with that said, so how wonderful is your Christ? How wonderful is your Christ? I mean, what's He done for you lately? See, we look at Him in a, in, in a manger. That's not why He was born. Isaiah foretells it way before that, that He's going to be wonderful. There's going to be a miracle after Aren't you thankful for the miracles of Christ? Most of us in our Bible have something in the back of your Bible that says the miracles of Christ and it will tell you all the miracles that He did. From the, from the um, water to wine, to the feeding of the 5,000, to the healing of all these different types of ailments. And I, I actually like that because He didn't just hold it to the vision or hearing. He could, he could heal everybody. Don't you love it when you go to a doctor and they say, listen, you need to go to another doctor. Which you need to go to another doctor to get a reference to another doctor to go to get, to get your hand fixed. You ever been there? I mean, I just want to go in and get some glasses. But I've got to go see the doctor before I go to get the glasses. I can tell him I can't see very well. My wife hates it when I look at her and go, and, and, she, and that's a, my glaucoma test to her. Anybody ever done that? How are you supposed to relax when they're about ready to shoot air in your eyes? You don't have it. How do you know I don't have it? All you did was blow in my eyes. You know, as we look at this, how wonderful is your Christ? He's a miracle worker. Look at this. Miracles? Yes, absolutely he does miracles. How many of you agree that he does, does miracles? How many of you agree that the, the birth of Christ was miracle after miracle after miracle? It wasn't just one, it was numerous. Now look at this, not only miracles, you know what else he is? Salvation, that is a miracle. He was born on this earth in a manger to die on a cross and he has, he has my salvation. There's nothing I can do except accept what he's done for me. You know what he is? He's everything. 
That's what Christ should be in our life. Everything. Before we do anything, we should consult Him. We should talk to Him. If the Creator can't fix your problem, I don't know who can. But I know the Creator can fix my problem as long as I ask Him. I want you to turn to one verse. This is the theme for this. John 3.30. I'll wait till you get it, get, find it. If you, ever, if you ever circle any verses in your Bible, this would be a good verse to circle. Because you know what we do at Christmas? It's all about us. Right? You know what I, I loved when I was growing up? My, my, the Wagner family would always pick um, names. You know who I liked? Aunt Betty. Amen. You know why I liked Aunt Betty? Because she didn't have any kids, and when she picked your name, she'd buy you tons of stuff. Aunt Sally had, had kids. Aunt Joe had kids. Uncle Bob had kids. Uncle Gene had kids. Aunt Betty had no kids. I got her one time. And when I found out she got me, I was like, praise the Lord. I didn't say praise the Lord at that time. I was like, bring it on. You know, we get so wrapped up in ourselves. Look at what John 3.30 says. Everybody knows this verse, but this is how we should live. Watch what it says. He must increase, but I must decrease. That's what Christmas is all about. It's not about glamour and glitz, what you can get, what you can give. It's about who Jesus, who Jesus was for our life. See, because He gave us some miracles. He gave us salvation. He's everything we need, to be, need, need Him to be. And last but not least, Christmas is about the wonderful Savior, the miracles of Christ. When you walk out of here today, God wants you to see God wants you to acknowledge Him. It's not, about the, it's not about the whole story. It's about the entire story of who Jesus is and who God is. And so we look at this and we say, Christmas is about the wonderful miracles of Christ. He's done so much for us. And yet so often we don't acknowledge Him. I don't thank Him as much as I should. I was going through some of the, the notes in the box that said for Thanksgiving, and there's, there was an enormous amount of Thanksgiving notes this year. And if, when I get, get discouraged or I just want to find something that uplifts me, I just pull out one of those things and I read it. Today I read one, and it was, I, I, I meant to bring it out here, but it was basically a two-page letter about how, their, how your, whoever it was, how your parents raised you to be in church. And you were just thankful for your parents doing that. We sure do serve a great God, don't we? He knows exactly what we need when we need it. He is a miracle-giving God. He's wonderful. He has salvation. He should be everything we are. We, we must look at Him and He must increase and I must decrease. What is, what is the Savior to you? 